Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and as you may have guessed by the title today, we're going to be talking about some of the basics around investing. And I got to say, I, I probably mentioned this before every episode so far about, you know, being excited to talk about what I'm going to be talking about, um, you know, in a given episode, right? Part of that is because I really just, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy the opportunity to sit down and, you know, kind of do the research, dive deep in the topics, put together a program that's hopefully useful for you listening out there. But investing is something that really gets me fired up. I got to say, I enjoy every opportunity that I get to, to learn more about it, uh, to talk to people about it, and see, you know, just learn more about the nuances and the intricacies and just the myriad of different things that kind of fall under the overarching umbrella of investing. So excited to jump into it with you today. Um, this is actually building a little bit on the episode number two, the last podcast I did. Um, one of the items I talked about in there was, you know, at a young age, is not not starting to invest, not kind of taking advantage of the opportunity to to generate some kind of return on the money that you have today, right? So I covered that and then six other of, you know, what I perceive to be common mistakes that particularly young folks make nowadays in terms of, you know, just financial mistakes overall. So if you haven't given episode two a listen, I definitely recommend go ahead and pause this and jump back into that one, give it a listen, and then come join me back here on episode three. So um, additionally, I'm going to try to keep this one a little bit shorter. I got some, some feedback from some folks who, you know, the hour long plus podcasts were a little bit long so interested in trying to keep a little bit more you know dive deeper into a specific topic keep it a little bit more concise um i would love you know hear some feedback from y'all if you prefer this format longer episodes you know i'm amenable to both um and then you know we'll, we'll kind of see how we roll from there but without further ado let's go ahead and jump right into it so i already kind of touched on it a little bit saying you know the the term investing i think really is this this large umbrella that covers so many different verticals, avenues, pathways, however you want to describe it. Investing is really just a broad term for a million different things. And generally speaking, I would roughly define investing as, you know, taking, you know, current money you have today. So, you know, current capital and putting it towards something in hopes that over time, your money will grow in value and will be worth more at a later date, right? So investing is essentially putting today's money somewhere, hoping it's worth more in the future. So, you know, I think when when people think investing, a lot of times they might take more of a narrow-minded view of it, right? So, you you know, the first thing that probably popped in your, your head was, oh, yeah, invest in stocks or bonds, you know, Things like things that I can, you know, go purchase out on on like a, on a, you know, out in the open market on the stock exchanges, right? You know, that can be, you know, shares in individual companies. You could be buying mutual funds, ETFs, you know, whatever that might be. That's usually what you know, or I guess index funds is another good example. Um, that's kind of what people think of traditionally for investing, but it encompasses so much more, like. You know, real estate investing, cryptocurrencies, those are some more, I'd say, mainstream, but still what would be classified as alternative investments. And then you can really, really get out there, right? I mean, you could look at card collections, toy collections, you know, 
Think about the folks who, you know, you'll see things like, oh, this this particular baseball player's rookie card sold for $300,000, right? Well, that might be an investment, you know? Real, I mean, if it's worth 300000 <laughs> for a particular card, you can sure as hell bet that it's an investment. Um, but again, it, it kind of comes back to that foundational piece, as I was saying, where investing is taking today's money, putting it somewhere, and hoping it's worth more down the line. So why is that important? Why is it important to to start investing? And like, where, you know, kind of where do you even get started? Um, let's start with the first half of that. Why is it important? You know, I think each person's different, right? Money means more or less to to a particular person, depending on what your priorities are in life. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that even if money is not like a primary driver, we would still like to have more money you know, 10 years from now than we do today, right? It's kind of, it's a building process as you're going through life. You want to increase, you know, your personal net worth. You want to build up, you know, just that, that nest egg or that value over time so that, you know, you get down the line, there's going to be big events that come up, you know, like you're going to want to buy a house, buy, you know, have kids, buy cars, you know, kids go to college, kids get married, you retire, things like that where you want to make sure you have, you know, money available to support yourself. Um, and there's also unforeseen things that come up too, right? You know, it's that's part of life where, you know, it, unfortunately some really tragic things could happen and, you know, maybe maybe you're out of work before or unable to work long before you expected to be. And are you in a good financial position to sustain yourself through those moments? So that's really why it's important. Um, and the nice thing about investing is, for the most part, it's it's a relatively passive way to to grow your personal wealth, right? So if you're if you're putting money into your say your 401k every month, you know that's something where maybe you're not paying a whole lot of attention to it, and it just will slowly grow over the next 10, 20, 30 years into you know into a much larger amount. So you know I I. I want to put kind of a star next to that, a caveat. When I say that it's mostly passive, I think, again, it comes down to the individual. Like for me, I love learning about this stuff. So I take a very active approach to kind of what what I'm investing in, what I'm doing, how I'm shifting my my resources around. Some other folks, you know, I, I definitely know people close to me who they are totally comfortable with saying, hey, you know, I know this person, they I trust them. I just, you know, I'm cutting, I'm just depositing money to my account. I'm going to let them, let them operate it since that's their specialty. And that's, that's great too. And then the others say, you know, maybe you don't have a financial advisor per se, but you're also just, you know, you want to keep it basic. So, you know, you just put money into uh, a simple mutual or a, an index fund, right? And that's just kind of all you do consistently. And that's fine. That's, that's a nice thing about this is you can learn, learn what works for you and really run with it. So that's really why investing is important. Um, I think what's as important to, to distinguish about about why it's it's a good thing to invest, it's important to acknowledge what are not the end goals or the objectives of investing. I think number one is crystal clear, yet we all fall victim, victim to it in some you know way, shape, or form. And that's a, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, I think I've seen so much of this, um, in particularly this year, 2020, where day trading and 
you know, what you call retail investors, which essentially just means, you know, individuals, just people rather than, you know, banks or big financial institutions. That's kind of the difference, retail investors versus institutional investors, kind of a, a rough description. But retail investors, so everyday people join in record numbers have jumped into the stock market, you know, through through apps that offer commission-free trading. Now there's a lot more, you know, people have more time on their hands as, you know, unemployment has spiked and they've really invested that time into like day trading, getting involved in the market, which is, which is great, but also have to take a step back and understand that, hey, like, listen, the, it's not realistic to think, okay, well, I'm going to put $100 into this thing and in three weeks it'll be worth 500 right? That's... That's just not realistic. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. In fact, you really want to leverage time and kind of a long-term perspective in your favor. Um, it's also important to note the difference between investing and trading. So, investing is where is traditionally where you might put, you know, you might buy shares in a company and you know leave it for five, 10, 20 years, right? Where you're you're planning on you know, you like the company, you feel good about it, and you're you're planning on them experiencing a lot of long-term growth. So you're in for the long haul. Trading is a lot more narrow. So it's like you kind of identify a trend, you know, momentum in the market, and you try to play stocks based off that that kind of those those trend lines. So that's that's a totally different ballgame. Usually that that can be shorter term. So it could be within a day, you know, week, month. You're not talking years when you're talking trading. That would be more on the investing front. So, the other part about you know that's important to call out regarding investing is that it does not guarantee success. So yes, the end goal is to invest and grow your wealth, but you also have the very real potential to lose money. So that's that's a big part of it. You'll hear this line get thrown out all the time from every resource, and that's you know past performance does not guarantee you know future results. Roughly, I might have paraphrased it a bit, but essentially that's saying, yes, you know, we can look at the S&P for the last 90 years and understand that it's it's gained, you know, 9.8% on average a year for 90 years. That's great. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the next 90 years we're going to see 9.8% growth. That, you know, that who who knows what will happen tomorrow, right? We We have no idea. I mean, the the history piece is a good, it's a good thing to refer back to. And I think as, as humans, that's kind of what we naturally do anyways, right? We're a product of our experiences and our history. And so, yeah, we like to put more stock into history than, you know, we may, we may really want to, but just keep, keep that in mind, right? That's just one thing to be cognizant of. It's not guaranteed success when you jump into the market because with, really where you see your gains are from taking risk, right? You're investing in a company. You're trusting that, hey, they're going to, maybe they're going to become profitable. Maybe their profits are going to increase 40% in the next two years, or they're going to launch a new service that's going to dominate a particular industry, things like that, right? But there's risk. Like, let's say a company launches that new service and it totally flops, right? It's just, a total miss, um, you know, I kind of think about some, you know, think about 
what was that? Uh, I'm thinking like think about Microsoft. I believe it was Microsoft that launched Bing, right, to compete with Google. And that didn't really go anywhere, but how much? You know, probably tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars got sunk in that project to really not make any traction, right? So that's that's kind of the thing that can happen. Companies can invest in projects and they can be great, or they can launch them and they could flop. So um, again, risk. You know, risk is tightly correlated to reward. The more the more risk you're taking on, the 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 higher the potential reward is, but also the the deeper of a you know you you could take a bigger hit if you know if you're taking on riskier investments. So that's why like you think about you can buy you know buy treasury bills from the U.S. government and it'll pay you. I can't. I don't even know what the interest rates are now, but it's like 0.7 percent, right? Well, that's, that's about as stable as it gets because you're trusting the U.S. government's not going to default on its debt. Or you could go buy Bitcoin and, you know, it's on a tear right now. I think Bitcoin's $17,000 a Bitcoin, right? You know, tomorrow it could be $25,000 or it could be zero. There's that much that much volatility. There, it could, it could go anywhere. It's not tied to anything. There's a lot of risk, but the upside's big, the downside's big. So that's kind of a good picture, right? Just look at the difference between, you know, government, government debt and uh, cryptocurrencies. So again, that's kind of what the overall picture, painting the picture of why investing is important, and also, you know, pointing out some, making some important callouts as to what it isn't. Um, so now let's let's talk about how you get started. Um, you know, before before getting too far into like the action side of things, I think it's important to to prepare yourself mentally. And what in talking with people, what I usually see are, are two different kind of personality types, just or you know kind of calls to action of sorts of like how you know how they approach investing. One is they're they're scared right they they've never invested before they're brand new to it not really sure what it is why it's important to them and so maybe they even understand that it's important right but at the end of the day they say well hey if i've got a thousand dollars like i want to have a thousand dollars i don't want to risk that becoming four hundred dollars right so that's kind of the, the the timid personality on the flip side polar opposite are the people that are like oh man like jump in like i need to be in right now like throw all my money in like let's go like just jump right to the action they skip kind of the mental prep and the planning side of things and that's also really dangerous um you know candidly when when i first got started i was definitely in that you know take action first plan second bucket and it's exciting right like if you see you know people around you making money the market's doing great you don't want to miss out i mean that's where the fear of missing out that fomo that is a very real thing in the market and that's something that always got to fight against so you know there's a happy medium in between right be be you know cognizant enough of the risk to to press pause a bit take a step back and do some planning but also don't be so timid that you're always planning right i think we've all been there at some point where it's like yeah i'll just keep planning (laughs) and you're just you're essentially just stalling but in terms of getting started like i say on the i'd start mentally and i think i've got three quick questions here um that i would recommend reflecting on and and they kind of they're centered around how you view like your personal resources at this time and your risk tolerance so 
Question number one is, can I afford to lose everything I'm investing? So I'm gonna run through these three and then we'll do deep dive into each one. So can I afford to lose everything I'm investing? Number two, do I have a plan before I start investing? And then number three, how do I view losses or bad days in the market? So taking number one there, can I afford to lose everything I'm investing? Granted, that's that's kind of a far-fetched concept, right? Unless you're doing the, the riskiest of riskiest investments, it's pretty unlikely that you would see your account ever go to zero. But I like to take the approach of planning as if that were to happen, right? And so as part of that, money that's being invested should not be your rent money, your mortgage, your your groceries, your utility bills, your car maintenance. It, if you're investing money, it realistically should be capital that you're not planning on touching for the next you know three to five years for an extended amount of time, right? Because ideally, if you're young and you're building for the long term, you're planning on putting money away for decades, right? So this. This isn't a oh I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my rent check and I'll throw it into the stock market for a couple weeks and maybe I'll double it so then I got rent paid for I got this month and next month's rent paid for right the flip side is if you lose that you're getting evicted and then now where are you at right so I think it's important to be comfortable right so that way as things aren't as things kind of hit the fan the market has down days. Um, you're not just rushing to sell, you're not panicking, but at the same time, you know, like you need you need to protect your money as well. So don't don't essentially gamble away money that you you can't afford to lose. So it's important to understand risk reward there, right? And and trusting in your plan and whatever your investing plan is. So speaking of that, number 2 was, you know, do do I have a plan before I begin investing? And this is so key because I think a lot of people, again, like my default when I started was, hey, let's jump right into it. I'll figure it out as I go. Like, I'm young enough. If things go sideways, like, yeah, whatever, right? That There's some pieces to that, that that ring true, other pieces that are really dangerous. I mean, the, the, the young part and having time to recover is accurate. But at the end of the day, you know, we never want to lose, right? We, we want to have a solid plan in place knowing that hey like i might invest in something in over the next three years that might dip in value a bit or maybe it goes up slightly um but what's it going to be in 30 years right when i really need it when when i you know my kids go into college like what's going to be the value at that point so the biggest point on the plan on the planning side of things i'd say is understanding what you're getting into. So like what are you, if you're investing in the stock market, what what companies are you buying shares in or what funds, you know? So like you could even take something as simple as index funds, right? And there's several different organizations that offer different index funds. On an item as simple as that, well, there's there's detail that you could look into. So the people that that run those funds, you know, will charge management fees, right? And so, a you know, two funds, two different you know things that you could invest in could 
be basically the same thing, right? If they track the S&P 500, cool. But let's say one charges a 1% fee a year and the other charges 2%, right? That's a, that's a big difference for roughly the same thing. So that's one part of knowing what you're getting into. Two is, is understanding like the companies themselves, like, or if it's a fund, understanding what companies go into that fund. So I think, you know, a lot of folks might also start off and they're like, well, you know, I know Apple, I'll, I'll just invest in Apple. Like, I, I mean, that is, it, it's a very, very, uh, basic approach. I'd say, I mean, it's, it's understandable. Like I've been there. I totally get it. You want to invest in something, you know, but that's where doing the due diligence and learning like, Hey, like Apple's a mammoth company and makes sense. If you want, if you're looking just for, for stability for the most part. Um, but maybe there, maybe there's a chance to find if I'm young, maybe I can find like get into a fund that is buying shares in companies that could be like buying Amazon in 1997 or Apple in the eighties. And one of those where it's going to be, you know, over 30 years, you're going to be, you know, an early, early on investor in a mammoth company. So like, for instance, my first purchase was, again, I had a pretty rough plan. I was so action-based like, Hey, I just, I just need to get in. I need to get in the market and do something. I didn't have exhibit that patience I'm talking about. And so I pretty much looked around. I was like, Hey, like this is, it's, it was a cybersecurity fund, right? And it was like, Hey, you know what? We live in a technology world. This is, we're only going to become more technology dependent. And along with that, there's always going to be people trying to hack stuff, right? So what better than to, to look at, you know, a grouping of cybersecurity companies. And so, you know, I put some money into that. Like that was as deep as my analysis went, right? I, to be candid, still don't even really know the the exact breakdown of the companies that are in it because it's relatively it's a small dollar amount. But that's the kind of thing where at least you know I kind of understood. Hey, I see this this trend. I see how you know the world might evolve over the next 20, 30 years, and I think there's some real value in this. But what's even more valuable than coming up with a plan at the beginning is adjusting and adapting your plan as things change. So a lot of the bedrock principles would stay the same, right? So if you're, if you're young, say, Hey, I'm going to be investing cause I want, I want my money to be, you know, significant 40 years from now. Right. So that, that's awesome. So you want to keep that long-term mindset, but maybe there's maybe like new industries emerge, right? Like we're seeing electric vehicles, clean energy. Like those are sectors that are really ramping and could be mammoth in 40 years. So maybe there's opportunities to kind of, you know, tweak, to tweak what exactly you're, you're targeting, what you're investing in, um, and just continue to adapt as, as the market adapts. Things are always changing. So just don't, don't be afraid to make changes. You know, I also think it's important to understand the timeline of your plan. So I've touched on this several times, but if you're 65 and, you know, retiring, then then your priorities on preserving the money you have. But if you're 22 and you've got 40 years to, you know, make massive gains or, you know, even out some losses, that's that's a big difference and that drastically changes what you are involved with, right? So understand your personal timeline and when basically when you're going to need that money because you don't want to make financial plans 
you know, based off, you know, projected gains, right? So I mentioned, you know, I'm not, we're not, and we're not trying to gamble our, our rent money around, but you know, one thing I've caught myself doing too is, Hey, like if I invest this money and, you know, in four years, hopefully it's going to go up X percentage. And then, you know, I can, you know, that's a down payment on a house or that's a new car or, or that kind of thing. Right. But you know, it's like I said, future performance isn't guaranteed. So how could I bank plan my life on, Oh, this will go up 50% in four years and I'll be good versus, well, four years, I could be down 20%, right? Like it's just so dangerous to try to plan like your financial life off of, you know, things going right, right? Always plan for contingencies. Um, just, just be, be aim for stability and, and several ways kind of on that front. Question number three here, how do you view losses handled down days in the market? And, you know, it really comes down to what's your first instinct? Are, are you going to panic or are you seeing opportunity, right? When, when everybody's selling, does it mean, are you jumping out? Is there a reason to jump out? Um, or is there, is that an opportune time to get in? So this 2020 has been such a fantastic example of this. You really couldn't ask for a more beautiful microcosm of what I'm getting at here. Because if you think about it, in March, COVID hits hard, everything's shut down, everything's getting hammered. I can't remember exactly how far down the market went. I think it was over 30%, right? I think the Dow, well, the Dow went from 29,000 to somewhere around 18,000. That's a huge drop. I mean, we're talking people realistically lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in that time frame, right? So let's say, let's say you have $5,000 to your name, you invest it and something like that hits the market drops 50%. So now that 5,000 is 2,500. Well, is your, are you thinking, crap, I need to, I need to get that $2,500 out right now. Or it's, Hey, maybe now's a good chance where I can put money in and, and let it ride. And if you've got the long-term perspective, you know, that's where you can really lean on, on the opportunistic side of things. Um, you know, I, a lot of people set up what are called like tranche plans, essentially where as the market is going down there, they have a buying plan in place. So it's like, Hey, if it goes down 10%, I'm going to put in X number of dollars. If it's down 20%, I'm putting in X number. And that way they're constantly buying as it goes down because you know, it's cyclical. It'll come back eventually. I mean, there is a caveat where there are things that, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, things can go to zero. Companies can go bankrupt and disappear. We saw it in 08. We're seeing it now. I actually was involved in, um, in something this spring where um, there was definitely panic selling going on, and I was trying to caution myself against doing that. But as I dug deeper, I actually was became worried that, hey, this, this may become worthless. Like, yes, I think I was down 40% at the time. I was like this could literally go to zero. And so, yeah, losing 40% hurts. I, I got to get out. And so I made the decision to sell. And, you know, that's something where I was comfortable with it. I think like that particular thing stabilized, but at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to, to, to peace of mind. Right. And if you have a good plan and you execute on that plan, then there, there's not much more you can do than that. You know, 
that really boils down to, again, trusting and adopt, adapting your plan and then ride the roller coaster of the market. Just take a glimpse at what, what the charts have looked like for the last you know, 5, 10, 20 years or the history of the market. And you can see so many highs and lows. Like These things happen, right? Just have faith. Let it ride. Don't look at your accounts every day. If you're a young person investing for 40 years down the road, it doesn't matter if you're down 10% six months in, right? If you're in the right things and you trust your plan, then just have faith and let it ride. So those are key questions I think are valuable to answer before jumping into the market. So let's say, you know, what are the, kind of some of the tangible steps to take, you know, beyond just the, the self-reflection to preparing to get in the market? To me, it starts with research, right? You're reading online resources. You're talking to people. You're, you're leveraging whatever you have around you. I think talking to people is so key. You know, if you've got anybody in your, you know, friends, family, extended family who's a financial advisor, man, pick their brain. What an awesome opportunity, right? And you know, it's it's good to learn from many sources, right? But if you've got an awesome resource available, take advantage. But think about you could talk to your parents or just anyone that you're close to that's older and they can, you know, they can point to missed opportunities they had in in their financial life and things lessons that they learned. It's so valuable to, to take those lessons and incorporate them because, you know, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but why would you want to learn a hard lesson if somebody else has already learned it for you and they can share it with you, right? So leverage the people around you. Take advantage of books, online resources. Um, I mentioned studying just the, the charts and the market itself. Just gonna just you know understand the behavior, the ebbs and flows, highs and lows, um, items like that. That's that's all valuable. And of course, you'll gain experience from from actually doing. But you can do some some prep work in advance to help kind of minimize some of the the hits or the tough luck learning that you might experience as you get in. Um, I'd also recommend. You know, taking, I think some brokerage companies require or have you take some sort of risk tolerance quiz, but I think that's good. Try to get a somewhat objective view of, you know, what your personal risk tolerance is because it's going to vary by person, right? If you were skittish to get in, you might be more likely to panic sell. If you're, you know, going all for action, you might be you might be taking on things that are too risky for you. So it's good to understand your risk tolerance. And I'd say pick a few companies that you're, that you're familiar with, get to know them a bit, um, and just, yeah, just, just study them, understand financial statements and kind of understand why, why they're valued at what they're valued at. I'd also say before you start with real money, start with play money. You can, you can create a, you know, some sort of paper account. You can track it on an Excel spreadsheet. Basically, just give yourself some fake money, invest it, you know, in kind of in quotes, invest it, pick some, you know, do some, do some research, study things and make your investments and then track how, you know, how they perform. If you're like me and you're one of those, that's like, Hey, I need to be in the market right now. You know, if we're playing the long-term game 40 years out, right. Is six months of, of studying and trading fake money or investing fake money and tracking its performance, is that really going to set you that far behind over 40 years? Definitely not. So try to hold yourself back a little bit, kind of have, you know, lean on that patience piece because it'll give you a chance to learn from your mistakes early 
and without taking real losses, right? Lose paper money, not fake money. And then study why prices change. Like why is, you know, why does the stock go up? Why does it go down? We just had an election, you know, pretty big change. Um, that has pretty drastic implications as to, you know, particular markets, you know, and industries, companies, like things are gonna change. You know, another company might release a new product. Uh, there could be world events, you know, like say say somebody starts a war, might drive the prices of oil up, right? Or maybe there's, on the flip side, maybe there's a, you know, a climate change study that comes out and says, you know, hey, world's ending if we don't stop using gas today and the demand for oil drops, right? Things like that can, can affect, you know, affect the stock market. It can affect what you're involved in. Um, it's just good to be cognizant of how that, how that acts, um, or how the, how everything reacts to those events. And then finally, when you feel comfortable, you've done the mental prep, you've done some practice, you've taken some, you know, done the due diligence, go ahead and execute on that plan. Of course, you know, that requires having a plan in place first. So, you know, understanding, Hey, you know, I'm in it for, for long-term growth. I got 40 years where I want to be in the market. So I'm going to take on, you know, I'm, I'm investing in a lot of startups. I'm investing outside the U S I'm, you know, taking on more risk because there's going to be hopefully more reward. Right. And if things go sideways, I got time having that plan in place, you know, again, stay, stay flexible on it, adapt, but, but keep the same perspectives you move forward. Also recommend start small. Just get just get comfortable with having some exposure to the stock market, right? Just having your money at risk. So maybe you have a thousand dollars to invest. Why not start with a hundred and just see how comfortable you are as you as you get going? Because that's one thing um, in general that you know you can take risk tolerance quizzes, which is it's a fine tool, right? Until it's your money on the line and you're taking losses, you're not going to know how you react to risk. I mean, it's, I kind of crack myself up because when I invest in certain stocks, like I'm good with it. I'll let it ride. Like if it's up 20%, cool. If it's down 20%, cool. <laughs> I had this experience last week and, uh, you know, sometime down the line, I can do a deeper dive in this, but there's, there's another kind of investing instrument. They're called options. And so it's, it's, you know, a lot more high risk. Basically you can, you pay for a contract and you can either gain a lot of money or you can lose everything you, you paid in um, and they they change very quickly so I had an options trade of it was, it was like a decent size and I personally was so nervous about it about it even like dipping at all that I like held it overnight and I just kept waking up in the middle of the night I was like oh has the market open yet like what's going on like that's a good good reflection for me to, to see hey like my risk tolerance with stocks yeah I'm I'm I can tolerate a lot on options, I'm very skittish, right? It's good to reflect on that yourself as it's your money on the line and just understand yourself because you don't want to do something you're not going to be comfortable with, right? If it's keeping you up at night, then even if it supposedly will give you a better return, it's probably too much risk for you and it's probably not a good fit. So that kind of wraps up generally what I want to cover. I got a few points of advice here. One is you know, basically what I was just talking about, you don't have to maximize your return, right? There's so much focus on, hey, I need to buy at the very bottom point and I need to sell at the very top, right? That's the only option. So yeah, maybe if you do that, let's just say a stock goes from $10 to $20, right? Okay, is it sweet to buy at 10 and sell at 20? Sure. 
Are you upset if you buy at 14 and sell at 18? Probably not. That's still a very sizable gain. Is it not the you know not the max? Yes. I know you can look at the chart. I've done it and go, dang, I really missed out on I missed out on this. But there's also times where, hey, maybe you maybe you bought at 14, you sold at 18, and then it goes to five. How stoked are you that you that you took those four dollars, right? Four dollars a share. So that's a good piece to keep in mind. You know, you don't have to maximize your turn. You're not gonna be able to time the market. You know, the people who the sharpest people in the world, the people who do this for a living, they can't master the market either, right? So, you know, use time to your advantage. But have that plan, and if you're buying for the long term, it doesn't really matter where it's at today. Just just let your money work for you in the back end. I always say leverage the, the resources around you. So online resources, you know, your close family and friends, anybody who might provide some insight, um, it's always good to to learn. Always, always learn more. You know, you, you can't go wrong by having more insight into into what you're getting involved in. And I'd say, if needed, maybe you're one of those folks who's a little bit more tentative. Um, maybe you don't have the risk tolerance. Maybe you just don't have the time or the interest in really learning, and you'd rather somebody else handle you know handle your resources for you. Millions of people do it nothing to worry about there and hell you might might even do better right um actually for a lot of people you probably will do better but obviously there's fees that are tied into it but anyways what i'm getting at is if you feel like you need it i'd consult a financial advisor at least getting some introductory advice is never a harmful thing and maybe it it would be a blessing for you that really wraps up everything that I kind of want to talk about. I know I kept super high level. Again, I really just wanted to focus primarily on why investing is important. You know, what are some of the pitfalls um, and some some proactive measures that you can take before before really getting you know before putting your money on the line. Um, so hopefully, just talking through kind of the thought process. You know, shaping up a plan. Um, developing, you know, a long-term perspective or whatever, whatever perspective you need on investing, given your current life situation. Hopefully that's been beneficial. Y'all, there's so much that goes into the world of investing. I probably, I didn't even touch on, you know, 0.1% in this. And so there's going to be tons of future episodes where we're just going to pick specific topics. We can talk about real estate investing, right? I'm, that's where I work. That's that's the space I'm in, and it's awesome. I could talk about that all day long. So, like an item like that, be on the lookout for deeper dives into specific topics coming at a later date. Um, additionally, you know, I kept this. I was aiming for the halfway point. I went a little bit over. I think I might like to hear myself talk a little bit too much. So, <laughs> apologize for that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on the shorter format. If you found it, you know, more beneficial, maybe it's easier to stay stay focused, or maybe you like the longer ones. You know, I'm, I'm game to do both, whatever, whatever y'all would find most beneficial. So feel free to let me know if you have a chance, give the podcast a, a rating, leave it a review, subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Um, and also feel free to check out capitaladulting.com. So I have a website out there. I, you know, I've been writing some articles, so I have a few of those in the back. Um, you know, that are available and you can always reach me through there um, as well as just you can contact me directly email address is just grant at capitaladulting.com feel free to shoot me an email find me on social media 
Um, otherwise, it's been awesome having a chance to talk investing with y'all. I'm looking forward to the next one. And uh, thanks again for your time. And uh, hopefully we will chat again soon. But until then, y'all take care.